chaos is everywhere. I just thought sex you. How's it going? Ta-da. Alrighty. Hey everybody, welcome to We Are Chaos with another wonderful episode of what's it called? The Good Place. Who done uh, it? Yes, exactly. This episode is season one, episode nine. I wanted to say ten, but it's nine. Um, it's called Someone Like Me as a Member. And uh, yeah, I am your host, Jonathan Gilchrist. And that guy over there, presented in Brain Control, we're available. That's uh, Mr. DJ Madman. Yes, I have their minds. Uh, I think I might have skipped one, but I'm not positive because we don't do these enough that I remember which one I'm on. No, I <laughs> checked. We're good. Um, anyway. Episode 8 was most improved player. No, I, I can tell you. The, I meant the Futurama quote because I'm going down in order of the quotes they did on the Futurama thing for your intros. And I'm not sure if I skipped one or not, but it doesn't really matter. It's just like Maybe eh. my mind control made you skip it. <laughs> I mean, we did um, announce that you had HypnoVision in the last one that I can remember. So, anywho, uh, yeah, so this episode picks up right where we left off, which was... Um, Eleanor was on the train, but Chidi burst into the, uh, Michael's office and said, you can't let her go. She's becoming a good person. And Michael stops the train. But twist of all twists, they have a real Eleanor on the train that they weren't going to say anything about, by the way. They were leaving, so they weren't going to give them the good Eleanor. But uh, that's where we pick up. We're back in Michael's office. Um, basically, the breakdown is that Eleanor our Eleanor and this Eleanor who have the exact same name died within like one ten thousandth of a second because when Eleanor got knocked by that uh, shopping cart into traffic, the new Eleanor tried to save her life. So they both died in the same accident. And because they have the same name and they don't see people's pictures before they get to the afterlife, it was a mix up. And that's how we got fake Eleanor is what they keep calling her in the good place and real Eleanor in the bad place. Um, so yeah, then we uh, follow two groups of things because Michael is trying to negotiate with a group of the demons that came with uh, Trevor to uh, keep our Eleanor in the good place. While at the same time, Trevor, who's the main demon goes with Eleanor to her house with Chidi and the real Eleanor and they just basically hang out. Um, they go to dinner, and Chidi and the new Eleanor are really vibing. They really click on a lot of levels because she is everything that you know Eleanor was supposed to be. She's a death row lawyer that helped people and all this other stuff. Um, in the meantime, as Eleanor's watching all this, she is having flashbacks because Michael. It start anytime basically somebody says they're on a that she's on a team, she gets one of these flashbacks. But Michael starts it by saying that's why he wants her there because he believes she should be on their team. And she just starts flashing back to throughout her whole life. And she never joined a team. It shows her coming to a high school where she just blanketly says, fuck off to everybody. It doesn't matter what their group is. She wants to be alone. Um, she then 
like shows her with her roommate and her roommate's like, Oh, I'm buying tickets for us to go see the new Spider-Man movie, which was Spider-Man two, which might be the greatest of the Spider-Man movies. Um, <clears> and <throat> I said, might be, um, Anyway, she said, I'll buy eight tickets and just pay me back later. Eleanor doesn't want to do this because she feels like she's being, she'll be ripped off. Um, or, you know, if she buys the tickets, nobody will pay her back. So she buys her own ticket in the back of the theater and doesn't sit with her friends because she doesn't want to trust them to, you know, buy a ticket like a human being. And then the last thing, she's clearly working at what looks like a Google type place with people playing Nerf football in the back. And, you know, just one of those work environments that everybody seems so happy about at least a few years ago. And uh, she quits that job because again, they want her to be part of the team. And that's where she ends up in the fake medicine selling place. We saw her at the beginning because there is no teamwork. Uh, they don't go for drinks. They don't talk to anybody so she can be by herself. Um, so that's basically her whole background. It keeps flashing back after she gets drunk with the demon uh, who convinces her that he should be happier in the bad place because at least she wouldn't have to be pretending she's something she's not. She drunk agrees to that, but uh, then Get, you know, comes to her senses when she's not drunk anymore. Meanwhile, Michael continues to negotiate, and the demons keep walking all over him and uh, basically trash Tahani's house. But Michael won't stand up because he's afraid of them. And as these two things converge at the final meeting, where Eleanor says, "No, I don't want to go. I don't belong here, but I have gotten better, and I want to be like these people here. So I don't want to go." And Michael finally stands up to the demons and says, "You're not getting anything. Get the fork out of my neighborhood." Because I just love the swearing in the good place. And um, that basically sets up that the only, since they couldn't come to an agreement, the next step is that there is a arbitrator of all things between the good place and the bad place, the judge of, above all called Sean. And now he has to be the one to decide what's going to happen. And that's basically where the next episode picks up is uh, them getting ready for this judge to show up. So. Um, yeah, I think that's about everything. I skipped over some of the jokes. There's some stuff about Janet still not at full capacity. So when they ask her about jalapeno popper, she doesn't know what that is. But uh, Jason tells her what it is because, of course, he knows what jalapeno poppers are. And the very end of the episode does end with a cliffhanger in that Tahani, because of stuff that Jason did while the demons were there, like tap a keg and leave junk food around, figured out that he wasn't John Yu and goes into his bud hole. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> and confronts him. And, uh, and that's where the cliffhanger of the episode is, is uh, like, who are you basically? So that that's fun. It, it really does lead to a really funny bit of the episode. And we get to see more stuff with Jason now that that's kind of out in the open, but I think that's about it. I don't think I missed any other plot points as far as the major stuff that happened. Uh, anything you can think of that I missed while I take a drink of water? <laughs> um, uh, the fact that there's multiple Janets, which I'm oh, intrigued yeah. about, but like, that's really small. You just asked yeah. me for something and I'm like, listen, like I want to know the different Janets because mm -hmm. also I was really disappointed. I wanted her to conjure like another plant or like, yeah. Instead of a plant like this episode, it could have been, I don't know, pie, like something just weird and random like that. Well, well that would have been food. So like if somebody asks for something, it would still have to be like, I don't know, like yeah. rocks. Rocks would have been good. 
Yeah. Um, as far as the different chants go, yeah, the demons have their own chant called a bad chant. Um, one of the things that I love that I didn't notice the first time I watched it, but then I saw a thing online that pointed this out, and you could watch it because it always happens. Whenever bad Janet's involved and somebody says, hey, bad Janet, wherever they're looking, she appears on the opposite side of them every time. It's it, it's an amazing little detail, and you can see it in this first episode, and she'll come back a bunch of times, so you'll see it some more after this. Uh, but yes, there are different Janets. There's also a neutral Janet that has to do with a different part of the afterlife, um, which is pretty fun. Also, I'll just give you the names, and you can just wait till they show up. There's also a disco Janet, which is interesting. I mean, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the way they portray it and i won't explain why that's a thing but that does show up later there so look out for disco janet um but yeah so um as far as like what the episode's about this is a theme that does get brought back up a bunch and there's another episode that really dives into it more clinically so i'm going to try to avoid that just so we have i don't like step on that episode's toes even though that'll be a while from now um is basically the idea of being part of a team this is really Eleanor's biggest um, thing that she has to grow on. I can, I, I, it's not laid out perfectly for you yet, but it comes down to her selfishness. That is her biggest hurdle. So this is the way they kind of show it, is that it's not just the selfishness of um, not caring about other people. It's a selfishness about not willing to let yourself even be open up to the possibility of being any kind of vulnerable around other people, uh, any kind of idea of you have to rely on people or you are in the same boat as somebody else that you don't 100% rely on yourself causes her to freak out. And we see it even in this episode um, during the afterlife where she's like, every time somebody brings up a team, she kind of freaks out. Like she'll go to dinner with the demon after that. And then she, instead of like going with cheaty, and real Eleanor, she'll stay with the demon because, well, uh, she can't rely on Chidi because he's really vibing with this new person. And then when Chidi comes and tries to tell her, hey, listen, even though someone new here, I'm still here for you. I'm still your friend. She's like, no, it doesn't matter. I don't need you. You know, like immediately goes to defensive. Um, I don't need you. But he won't let her, which I think is part of the like part of the growth of the episode is that she's finally found a team that won't let her just bail they force her to be like, no, we really do care about you. So we're going to make you um, at least acknowledge this. So, uh, but I think that's the philosophical point. And it is something that I find interesting because I'm not a, I'm not an individualistic person in general in that like, I'm not a, oh, I hate people or I don't want to be around people, but I'm not a very social person either. Uh, the biggest group I've ever been a part of is basically when you and I were in college uh, but that wasn't because of me. It's because I made friends with somebody that made friends with everybody else that I became friends with. Uh, in fact, I'll even say it here. Shout out to Sam Spinelli because he Sam was. Sam Spinelli's the... kind. <laughs> yeah, like he he just uh, I don't even know how it happened, but basically I ended up in his orbit, and through that orbit, I met everybody else that I knew and considered friends in college. He's just one of those people, but that was the first time that had ever happened. Like I'd always had maybe one or two friends, but for the most part, I was a very loner person. So while I don't understand it at, to the level of her defense mechanism of it, where it's like a conscious choice, 
I do understand being that kind of alone and having to rely on yourself. So it's an interesting I'm trying to cheat thing. this and say like it's like if it's a bad interpretation of stoicism is like being so independent that you don't let other people, you know, affect you, but mm -hmm. you can get be perceived as a strength. So it's an it's a false independence and then you can kind of believe in that false independence as long as you stick with it. So that partly goes back to the freak out is like, she has this understanding that she can survive by herself. So yeah. anytime that someone kind of, even though it's unintentional. So an invitation is also kind of saying you can't survive by yourself. Right. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's a, almost a part of human nature. We are a social animal like we just are um we need other people if there have been experiments in different situations where people have been raised in almost complete isolation and it destroys the human mind to do that because there's something about the way we were built um evolutionarily that we can't do completely alone and be okay we can do it for a while we can do it even sometimes for a long while if we have to but it takes a very big toll on us, which is one of the reasons that like isolation um, in prison is one of like, it was supposed to be a non uh, cruel way to punish people, but it turned out to be like one of the cruelest things you can actually do to a person because just on a basic level, people need that interaction or they just lose their mind literally. So man, it's, it's, I don't know if it, the same thing with stoicism, because even stoics, you would still have your family. Yes, you'd be like a pillar or whatever, but you would still have people around you that would give you that sense of community, even being a stoic in the Roman sense of the word. So I don't think well, there's any like, philosophy. It's like, it's like a, it's like a raw, like a false interpretation or like incorrect interpretation of it. That's where the only thing I was like, right. trying to find. Like if there was a, if there was a specific philosophy to kind of, this is around, but it's not that. I, I think that's probably one of, I mean, of like yeah. my very, 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 very short understanding of philosophy. Like, I'm sure there's some other kind of word that means something about like basically isolating in order to protect yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. It's a very, it is a very specific psychological trigger and it's not one that's very unique. A lot of people do that. Um, I just like just to give an example um i've moved on in my life because this is decades ago at this point but at one point in my life i was really the picked on kid i was bullied you um, too to, huh yeah me to an extreme extent i would be the like if you went to my school you'd be like oh that's the kid that everybody kind of dumps on that that's kind of where i was in the pecking order for a long time and i like i got to the point where i really went uh, internal with myself and I didn't do, say much or do much to the point where about ninth grade, like it started in about fourth grade and about ninth grade is when I um, broke out of it. So that'd be like oh, six years or something. Uh, I had people tell me, cause it was the same people as a small school that when I started talking, they're like, Oh, I haven't heard you talk in years. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder the fuck why. Like, of course I didn't talk for years. There was nothing to say to anybody that was causing me shit. Like, <laughs> So like I that 
it's a very natural thing to do when you feel um, vulnerable or attacked in any real way, or if you feel like you have to protect yourself. And we don't really, we haven't really seen yet. I don't think a lot of what trying to think of like what we've seen of her stuff, because like her parents are horrible. Um, Did we see the stuff about her, her dog dying yet? Her dog? No. Yeah. As a little kid. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, we'll get into her parents a lot. Her parents were just horrible people, and basically they raised her to have to be that person, to be that independent. Um, this is one of the problems with me loving the show so much. I have it all in my head, but it's not all. There's a part where she goes up to her parents at, like, 13 and um, says, like, I want to be emancipated, so I, you don't owe me anything. I won't owe you anything. And her mother's like, you're a really interesting person, Eleanor. We should hang out more as if she's a complete fucking stranger. So, so like, mm-hmm. that's the level of, like, protection she had to give herself. And that's how little she had anyone looking out for her as a person. So it makes sense that in these first examples, she it's much lighter of, like, a, oh, yeah, no, if you know that part of the backstory, it makes sense that she wouldn't trust them to pay her back for the Spider-Man tickets or to steal her points. Although I really do laugh at the idea of somebody being that upset about, no, you don't get all my points for the one ticket you're buying in my name. <laughs> but she did get popcorn with it, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a pretty even, pretty even comparison there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'll, I can complain all I want, but she did get a free popcorn because she bought her own ticket. So, mm. um, but yeah, no, I again, I really love this episode because of that. It really does. Without, she even tries to do that at the beginning, where she tries to justify some of her behavior by her parents being divorced, and um, then the real Eleanor says, "Oh, I'm sorry, your parents were divorced." Oh man, that must have been so difficult. And I was like, yeah, you can really excuse a lot of trauma. I love the phrasing because it's so self-aware without actually being self-aware to be like, no, I was a shitty person because of this. Uh, but then El- the real owner was like, oh yeah, no, I didn't know my parents. They, uh, they left me in a fish tank and then I was adopted until I was like four, but then both my parents died and then the orphanage burned down. And then I made my way to America, taught myself English and went through law school. But you know, whatever, it's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm not here to complain. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, no, it's just, an, it's one of those things where I, I, I know a lot of people feel that way. You have to be careful how much you let your past define your present. You can't be um, allowing it to excuse poor behavior that you know is poor behavior because mm. that's not growth. If nothing else, that's just not growth. So, Well, that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit is like with her acting out in between is like every conversation every going back to like human beings or social animals every conversation is a risk like every single conversation so essentially at like a bare minimum point by projecting you know that uh, she wants to be left alone and anytime anyone tries to present that risk to her it's at a very basic level saying like i don't want that risk in my life i don't want to you know um you know reciprocate that in any way shape or form so it's like not only a form of protection 
but it's like a bad risk management is like to socialize with people and going back to like a little bit with like your personalization, but there's going to be times that like unintentionally people hurt you or like, um, you know, you have a conversation with someone and you accidentally leave a horribly wrong first impression. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can weigh on people. So one of the easiest ways to confront being social is to choose to just not be social and to act out in a way that basically people away but keeps people away and it goes back to that kind of creature comfort of like this is what she knows anything that is different from what she knows if if it starts to bleed into her she will push it out and reject it because it's not something that she's comfortable with in that in that kind of context yeah that's and um and we do definitely, that gets played out a lot. So we don't need to go too much in more detail on what she does, but that is her whole, I would say that's basically her character arc. Um, as I'm thinking oh. about it, it really becomes her character arc. Wow, I never thought about that. But we, Plus, we to... the, the other part of this too, that like we didn't spend enough time though, is like the Hellions, whatever you want to call them, like their whole job is to like bring out the worst in people. So mm -hmm. like, it only seems to really affect Eleanor. That's the thing where it's, it's just focused on her, but like partly I think because that was the whole like arrangement, whatever, like they could have put more energy into just destroying everyone, but right. essentially the only thing they do is cause Michael distress so that, you know, he has to deal with things and then kind of inviting other people in to have that, but they don't use like the manipulation that Trevor does they don't kind of cue in on that yet. It's more focused on Eleanor of like, he had an agenda and you know, that, that whole dinner conversation, how every point in between he was trying to annoy her, make her feel like she's not part of it. She doesn't have the level of attraction, you know, going back to, and that's in, in that general way. And maybe that not in the philosophical way, but like understanding, like that's like encouraging the most negative self-talk around. So like, right with that kind of protective thing of her potentially being any kind of vulnerable is once there is those like concerns or going back to those memories of like, see, like, yeah, your example of like when she talked about like, Oh, you know, child of divorced parents. And he's like, yeah, but that's not really a big deal. Like that's, I think he has said, it's like, Oh, you're like what? 50% like half the people are like that now. Yeah. Like after real owner so, says what she went through, he's like, Oh, what happened to you? The same thing that happens to 50% of all kids in America. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's true. He like, and uh, Adam Scott is really good at that, this role, which if you only know him from parks and rec, it is a, a shock because like that's what happened to me the first time I watched. I was like, "Oh wow, he is really good at being this asshole demon." Um, uh, I remember yeah. him, his character Derek from Step Brothers, which is kind of uh, like pretty much Trevor. Yeah, no, Derek does like he, he definitely has the range once you like pay attention to the other stuff he's done because he also played a bully on Boy Meets World, believe it or not. So I know that. There's your fact. Yeah, there you go. Um. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty good covering. So the next episode's called Chidi's Choice. Um, I think this is the first time we're really going to spotlight this, but Chidi does have his own shortcomings. His main shortcoming is his indecisiveness, and this episode really gets into. I think we've talked like they've talked about it, but they haven't really 
shine the spotlight on it. This episode will really show you how indecisive Chidi is as a person. And it's all based around um, for him, him and Michael trying to get ready for the judge Sean to show up and judge Eleanor. And like Chidi is supposed to be helping with the defense, but he's getting all second guessy and nervous about uh, being assertive and, you know, making the choice that he did. So it's a really, it's a fun episode. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens in it. And we do get to meet uh, Sean by the end, although I don't think he really comes into play until the episode after that. Like it's another thing where he shows up at the very end and Mm -hmm. then go from there. Um, Let's see. So I'll put this up on Thursday. So that means the day before will be chaos ringside where we will be discussing all sorts of uh, AEW stuff. Um, pretty much taking a break from there to be i i'm gonna wait to see uh what happens as far as the possible buyout um to make it a, um, a firm stance but it yeah i don't know uh they uh almost there was a rumor that went around the entire internet and got me that said they were going to sell to saudi arabia and i was like oh fuck no and but we'll see whatever happens We'll see what happens. But for right now, I'm going to take a break until all this dust settles with WWE. Uh, but AEW stuff, we'll still get into that. And then on Monday will be Voyager. Uh, I think it's going to be a, two more weeks of Voyager to get caught up. So that'll be fun, including one of the worst episodes of all of Star Trek, which will be fun to watch. Um, not one that I hate personally, but just a lot of people's worst uh, episode list includes this episode. Um, and then the Wednesday after will be another random Royal Rumble where we basically use a random number generator to pick which Royal Rumble Artie Vice and myself are going to watch. So, yeah, and it'll just be the match, whatever that happens to be, unless it's one of the ones we've already covered, like 98, 94, and 1990, which was the last one we did. So... Yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks, Derek Bowman, for the theme song. Follow us on TikTok at Chaos Pod Show or write the show at chaospodshow at gmail.com. You can also follow the show at Chaos is Everywhere on Facebook. Um, I think I've covered everything. Do you have anything else uh, before we go, DJ Man? Mm, no, I think you did good. Yeah. All good stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. Hope everybody has a good week. We'll see you soon. Stay loners out there. I was like, wait, he has a thing. I was wondering what it was going to be, though. (laughs) Bye.